Welcome back to the Bristos Made a Baby podcast, season three, baby number three. I am your host, Becca. I am here with my lovely husband, Matt. We are together pretty much 24-7 between working, parenting, our two little girls, making our 1800s farmhouse our own. And trying to live our best, healthiest lives. We are so excited for this new season of life and to bring you guys along the journey for baby number three. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I'm here with my husband. Hello, it's great to be back, everyone. (laughs) So we're both going to be coming at you today with uh, week 22 and 23 is what we're going to be chatting about today. Let's do it. Finally got a chance to sit down. The girls are with uh, our sitter right now. We both just had a snack. No one's hangry. Nope. (laughs) Just excited to talk pregnancy symptoms. Yeah. A lot of people listen, enjoy listening to the week by week, so <laughs> I feel like Matt thinks this is crazy that we're still doing this. He's like, it's the same every time. <laughs> I've lived it. This is the third time living it, so I don't know. Yeah, we're just, you know, seasoned, I guess. But um, let's jump into how I'm feeling in weeks 22 and 23. So at this point, we are in the second half of pregnancy, cruising along, no longer sick, which is so nice. And my energy is really, really good. Um, I still definitely have to be mindful of, you know, overextending myself, doing too much, which makes me feel really off, kind of dizzy. But overall, it really hasn't been much of an issue. My energy levels are really good. So as long as I'm not pushing it too far and I can like feel when I'm like, I should probably just not do this next task I really want to do and instead just lay low. Um, I can feel when I get to that point. So as long as I don't push through, I'm fine. And I've gotten really good at balancing all the things that like really need to get done in a day and making sure I still have like energy to cook dinner later. So that's not pushing it or anything like that. I feel like I've really kind of, I'm in a groove with the pregnancy body and (laughs) and what it needs um, to feel good. So other symptoms, honestly, like not a whole lot to talk about, but Braxton Hicks still getting them when I'm like super active um, or at nighttime um, is typically when I get them the most. It's just, you know, after a long day of being on my feet, working two little ones, cooking all the stuff, um, my belly is just tighter. Um, But once I kind of relax at the end of the day, everything's fine. It's just when I'm like up on my feet doing stuff, it's just when my belly just feels kind of tight, but it's like not that big of a deal. Uh, so, okay. I started to drink, um, I don't even know if I told you this, but I started to drink a little bit of caffeine. I don't know if you've noticed. Hmm. <laughs> you have had a little pep in your step. Have I? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I did not know you've been drinking it though. Why the, why the sudden change? Why Are you allowed to drink caffeine when you're pregnant? Uh, well, this is always a common question. Um, so I don't drink a ton of caffeine in general, not because of pregnancy but just because I don't I don't handle caffeine very well I'm very sensitive to it and I go through phases where I'm like strictly decaf I love the ritual of coffee I love the taste of coffee so like I'm never gonna not drink coffee but I will drink it sans well decaf I'm still has like trace amounts but you know I'll drink decaf instead of regular um and I'll go through like long periods of time and then I'll kind of introduce it back in and I'll like have a little caffeine and then you know I've gone like through this many times over the years. So the main reason I stopped 
drinking caffeine this time around um was at the like after Hadley was born actually so it's been a while it was like very soon after she was born which having a newborn you think why would you cut out caffeine Um, although some moms do because of breastfeeding I never did I do again small amounts but I had in my last pregnancy and then postpartum I didn't really I didn't really like know what it was at the time but I definitely dealt for the first time in my life I dealt with like and I feel like I may have talked about this I can't remember but dealt with a lot of anxiety just feeling on edge all the time like for me it just felt like all day long I had like a knot in my stomach just very on edge like I couldn't relax and in order for that feeling to go away I would literally have to like lay down and take deep breaths for like 10 minutes like it was not an easy thing to subside and as soon as I got more intentional about just like breathing and like not holding my breath which I do that a lot Um, throughout the day and then also cutting out caffeine it was like a night and day difference and I know a lot of the times that caffeine can be linked to you know feeling on edge jittery anxious feelings anxiety all that and that's a reason in general why I don't drink a ton of caffeine is because I get jittery and I can't handle it very well like even before I ever experimented with decaf years ago I was like a one cup in the morning couldn't do two it would make my GI track would get all out of whack I would feel overly jittery and I would it's just very uncomfortable so never was huge on caffeine but when I cut it out after she was born I felt like a new woman so I hadn't I've not had it except for the occasional if we would like go out to a coffee shop or something um I would just get regular and I, I just would get a small one and not drink very much of it and that's mainly because I'm picky about decaf coffee. Um, I know I've talked about this on Instagram before, but when I use decaf, I make sure that I get beans. This is a really good tip, by the way, if you're going to drink decaf, so pay attention. (laughs) Um, I use, or I purchase beans that are Swiss water processed. And that basically means that the, or the decaf, the caffeine has been removed via a what, like a process that only uses water. Otherwise, you have um, all other coffee is decaffeinated by using chemical baths and they soak the beans in these chemical solutions that extracts the caffeine. And then obviously those beans are soaking in those chemical solvents. So the coffee you end up drinking is going to have some of those chemical solvents in it. So I personally want to avoid that pretty much at all costs. Um, It just seems kind of unnecessary for me to introduce that chemical when I can pretty easily avoid it. So for me, how I avoid it is Swiss water processed beans. You can find um, the ones I get are from Amazon. It's like San Francisco Bay Coffee is the brand. And you can literally just search Swiss water processed. There's a ton of them out there that do it that way. And then when I go out to a coffee shop, I'll just get regular because I don't know how how they're decaffeinating their beans. Um, anyway, so started introducing a little bit of caffeine and it's not much. And when I say I'm sensitive to caffeine, especially I haven't been drinking it at all. Like I am sensitive to caffeine. So I make a latte every day and I pour or I measure out the beans per like for each one. So I can tell you exactly what I do. I do five grams of regular coffee beans, 13 grams of decaf coffee beans. So it's like less than a third caffeinated and a double shot is like a little bit less caffeine than a cup of coffee so I'm drinking like 
a little bit less than a third of the caffeine you would get in a cup of coffee. So it's not much, but man, it is enough to get me going, wake me up, get me moving. You feeling anxious? No, and not at all, which is really good. I think honestly that anxiety was so tied to 2020 and the pandemic and just the uncertainty and the drama and just everything that was going on at that time. I think it was just causing me to feel really unsettled and it wasn't even over anything specific. It was just this background uneasiness, feeling unsettled, feeling like I couldn't fully calm down. Um, and I thought I, it started happening to me during pregnancy and I thought it was a pregnancy thing. I thought it was just part of pregnancy. So I didn't really think much about it. And then postpartum, it didn't go away. And then I was like, oh, okay, let me, maybe I should actually like think about this <laughs> and look into it and try and identify why I'm feeling this way. And I think that it was just anxiety. Um, and so just making a couple adjustments in my daily life, luckily I was able to just kind of have that dissipate. And, um, and of course everyone gets nervous and worrisome time to time, but this was just like an ongoing daily. It didn't even matter if I was chilling at the park with you guys, I would have this pit in my stomach all the time and it just wouldn't go away. It was very annoying, um, and not very fun, but I'm happy to say that not dealing that at all, dealing with that at all right now. And I've been able to introduce a few caffeinated beans <laughs> into my shot in the morning and it hasn't been a problem. Um, but it's been nice. Caffeine is like a very magical drug and it certainly helps with productivity. And especially in the morning, the morning I'm so always so tired. It's hard for me to get my day going. And just that little touch of caffeine has been really making a difference. Um, so I'm looking forward to my coffee again, not just for the taste and the ritual, but also because I know it's going to like put a little spring in my step, which is nice. Um, but the whole, because you asked about can you drink caffeine when you're pregnant? Um, I think there, there's a recommendation out there and I don't know it off the top of my head anymore, but the recommendation is typically like one to two cups. Um, there's an actual milligram amount. If you Google it, it will come up and then you can compare that to like what a cup of coffee is. I personally was always comfortable drinking a cup of coffee, full regular caffeinated coffee. Um, I'm comfortable with that. You may not be there. I know that there's moms who drink more. Um, I think in moderation, it's not a huge deal. If you're drinking coffee all day long, multiple cups, and you're basically like always on caffeine as a stimulant, it might be a different story, but um, a little bit it seems to be, as far as I have researched, like a cup a day is like no big deal. Um, and again, it's what you're comfortable with. You can always talk to your doctor about it or your midwife to see what their opinion is. Um, the Expecting Better book, almost positive they discuss caffeine in there. Excellent resource if you're like new, a new mom, this is your first pregnancy, and you're kind of navigating all of the rules of pregnancy because there's a ton of them. And to be honest, in this third pregnancy, I hardly follow, or there's a lot that I don't follow anymore because I'm just like, well, the risk is so tiny. Like, I don't know if that's worth me completely avoiding something. Um, like I'm not out here drinking margaritas. I'm not drinking any alcohol, but like I will have some deli meat here and there and I'll have some caffeine and things like that. Sushi on occasion from a reputable place. Um, anyway, so that's the, the caffeine situation. Um, and now this next one, Matt is so pumped about. So let's go. I have been, 
officially sleeping with four pillows at night. Oh, it's great. <laughs> Becca gets about 60% of the bed. I get, uh, or Rosie gets about 30% and I get about 10%. I'm a little sliver on the edge. It's literally a sliver. Well, okay. You also, you sleep like a pencil regardless. True. You could be in a king size bed alone and you would sleep like a pencil. That's true. I don't know why that is. It's just been a little bit of a problem because Rosie ends up on top of me a lot more often now. She doesn't have much room. But see, the you could easily solve this problem by kicking Rosie out of the bed, but you won't do it. Of course so I don't not. feel bad. She's part of this family. She wants <laughs> so to are our children and they don't sleep in our bed. Well, because they have their own bed. She w- She needs to be with us. We tried to get Rosie her own bed years ago. We bought her like a really nice like cushion memory foam. Like it was not cheap dog bed. That was in our first house. I think she, she didn't like it. She did. Like she, even if you like sat on the floor with her and tried to like pat it and have her lay down, she didn't even want to lay on it. Right, like, right. Literally did not want anything to do with it. Yeah. So that was waste. Um, so yeah, Rosie sleeps in her bed. She's a doodle. She's only 55 pounds, which isn't big, but she's like a big dog. She's long. She's she, an athlete. Yeah. <laughs> She is an athlete. Every time we take her to the vet, they're like, wow, she's so muscular. Yep. How Very much proud. you run in her? And that's, that's like peak moment, peak yeah. life moment for Matt every we, time. We train every morning. <laughs> she has a lot of sprints. Yep. A lot of throwing the ball. Um, but anyway, so Rosie sleeps in the bed. I obviously sleep in the bed. And anytime Matt complains about it, I'm like, well, there are two people over on this side. So. It's true. <laughs> hey, it, it, it's all good. You got, got your nice big setup. You got to do what you got to do. So basically what I do. So I, I tried the whole snoogle pregnancy pillow. There's a bunch of them now. Like at the time when I was pregnant with Hayden, which was my first, um, the snoogle was like, I think that's what it's called, was like the it pregnancy pillow. And now you can go on Amazon and they've got all different shapes and sizes and all different kinds of stuff going on there. So maybe I could have better luck now, but I tried that. And luckily I didn't buy it. I actually borrowed my sister's. And um, I used it for like a couple of nights and I I just did not find it comfortable. I know some women like swear by it and that's great because finding something that makes you comfortable like so that you can sleep comfortably is huge. So whatever it is that works for you, just find something. For me, it's not that. Um, But I just use four pillows. So four random pillows I have throughout the house. I didn't like buy anything special. So I obviously have the first one is just my normal, typical pillow at my head, my head and my neck lay on, obviously. And the reason I hated the snoogle pillow is because my head was on the snoogle pillow, which is not very comfortable. So I don't know if some people still somehow use their regular pillow in addition to the pregnancy pillow. But like I did not want to sleep on this like stiff like strip of pillow like I just want a regular pillow on my head like is that so is that so strange but um anyway so my regular pillow and then I have a pillow in between my legs and then I have one on either side of me so I'm essentially surrounded (laughs) by a sea of pillows so one props up my belly like that is a must I it's so uncomfortable because I sleep on my side um it's so uncomfortable to lay on anything without something like wedged under my belly to hold it up it just like pulls on um like your upper abdominals and like ribs on like the side that's up in the air and it's just not comfortable so always have something prop up my belly but then um I like having a pillow that also kind of props my back too that's just how I'm most comfortable so I'm literally surrounded by pillows on all sides 
And um, it was kind of gradual. First, you know, I like started sleeping with a little pillow under my belly. And then I'm like, okay, kind of need the back one now too. And then finally I had the one between my legs. And so here we are. Now we're in the sea of pillows and it will be that way until the baby comes. That's great. I mean, that's better than the <clears throat> I'd rather have that than, than what? the time when the baby's sleeping in here. I, I love the baby close, but. Oh, like in the room. Then we have to like tiptoe and can't talk, can't have a light on. Yeah, that is, that is tough. And that's for a while. That's like six months of, yeah, because we'll put the baby. Um, well, I guess in the early days, the baby's with us like all the time. True. But then after a few months, they we start, you know, putting the baby like quote unquote to bed, even though they wake up a bunch of times still upstairs around like eight o'clock and then when we come up for bed it's like silence mm-hmm. don't turn on a light right you don't want them to wake up slowly get into bed no creaking <laughs> yeah, yeah so yeah that is that is rough um it just it just kind of gets old and it's really nice when they're out of the room eventually but it's a long a long time that they're in here um okay so four pillows at night what else um oh okay so something really big that kind of Band over these two weeks ish, um, officially stopped. What did I? What did I stop? Oh, uh, you stopped f- breastfeeding our second child, Hadley. Yeah, it's kind of sad. It's sad, but you have another kid to breastfeed, so. Yeah. So once my goal when I so I, when I got pregnant, I was eight months like freshly. I literally just turned eight months postpartum, and my goal was to still be able to breastfeed until the year mark and not have to do formula. Not that there's anything wrong with formula. Um, I just would much prefer breastfeeding. I also find it so much easier than dealing with all the bottles and the cleaning and all of that stuff. Um, but obviously, you know, my supply would have to stay fairly steady and cooperate. So, um, it definitely, and I've talked about this, it definitely did decrease for sure, but it wasn't like an overnight decrease and it kind of decreased as she was eating a lot more table food. So, we just kind of took it like week by week and it seemed to work out fine. Um, and she was still nursing. Like she finally stopped like not nursing overnight once, uh, she was like 11 months old. So, um, by the time we were at the 12 month mark, I think I was nursing her like, like every morning at each nap and before bed. So four times a day. And then once we hit the year mark, it like immediately, I cut it down to like three times a day and then very quickly it was twice a day and I was just doing like you were putting her down for naps mostly and I was just nursing her first thing in the morning and then before bed at night um we still had some leftover uh supply frozen milk oh yeah we had a lot that we kind of used to supplement yeah I should I forgot to mention that yeah so we were kind of supplementing her we were giving her um like I would nurse her at night before bed and then I would give her like three ounces in like a little sippy cup thing um, to kind of bolster what she was getting from me because I knew that my supply was dropping. So luckily we had that um, option, um, which is another reason I'm so grateful for the amount of pumping I do when I have a lot of milk because even though I like dread it every day, um, I pump once the baby's like a month old, I start pumping every morning for 10 minutes and that's it. Um, we hardly ever give bottles. I pretty much am always nursing the baby. In fact, both of our kids hated bottles, yep. <laughs> but whenever we would go away or, you know, I was going to be out, out of the house cause I'm getting my hair done 
or, you know, we're going to go on this like impromptu trip that we didn't plan for. I mean, every time it's come in handy, every time we've used it all. And I had a, like, I, it's a lot of milk, like, and I would do it up until like their, well, I guess with Hadley, I stopped around eight months or so, nine months with Hayden. I did it for like nine months. I did that every day. So it's a lot of milk. I've given it away to friends to feed their babies, you know, if they were in a pinch. Um, so I'll do definitely do that again next time, even though it's kind of annoying to clean those bottles every day, but super worth it. Very grateful. I did it because it allowed us to keep her exclusively, um, well not exclusively breastfed cause she was eating table food at that point, but, um, being able to keep her on just breast milk until the year mark, um, when she's able to switch to cow's milk. So, um, anyway, slowly cut it down. And then there was like a time when I was like, okay, I think we're going to like, I think we're going to officially stop this. And I was like kind of sad about it. So I did this with Hayden too. I had like a, um, I don't know how to describe it. The best way I can describe it is like, <laughs> like a, a soft, um, closing, <laughs> soft ending, uh, a soft ending, I guess, you know, when people have like soft openings of places and it's like, it's not the real opening, but uh, you know, so I did this both times cause emotionally it's kind of, it's very bittersweet and it is sad for it to come to an end. And it is like such a special bonding thing that you're like sad to see go. Um, so I remember with Hayden, I was like, okay, this is going to be like our last time nursing, like take a picture. And then we did the same thing with Hadley, but I was just like, not ready to like, it was like too much pressure. And like, it was so sad, like during that feeding, I'm like, this is really it. And then I was kind of like, no, I'm just going to like keep nursing a little bit. So I did this both times around. So we took a pic, I was sitting on the couch. We like took a picture in the morning. I was like, Hey, this is going to be the last one. And then I definitely nursed her a few more times over like the next probably five days. And it just kind of like slowly trickled off. And then I don't even remember when the actual last one was. So we got a picture to document, but it wasn't like this big moment with a lot of pressure on it. Um, and it just kind of slowly dwindled on its own. Um, and what? what were you going to say? I was, you know, you, you could go all day, but I'm just going to try to say something. So <laughs> I was just going to say she was definitely, uh, this might not have been related, but she was definitely fuzzy, fussy for like a 10 day period. Mm. I don't know that it was directly related to this, but. Um, she eventually got over it. She hasn't had milk in, you know, a long time now. Not a long time, but yeah, a few weeks. Yeah, like once we got out of the bottles too, because we had a few milks left after you finished breastfeeding her. Oh, and there was one time it was literally like we had given her the last milk bottle before bed, and it was it was me. It was my fault, or maybe it was before a nap. I don't know. Whatever. But I left the cup in her room. I remember like the next day she. I was putting her to bed, and you and you grabbed the cup and took it out, and she started crying. Oh, yeah, she saw the bottle. Yeah, she was like, no, bring it back. And I was like, there's no more. I'm sorry. Oh, oh I felt so bad. She was really sad. Poor girl. Yeah, that was a shame. Um, But, yeah, I'm, well, I'm glad you brought that up because I honestly kind of forgot about that. I was going to say, like, the transition and weaning was, like, no big deal. But um, in comparison to, like, a lot of the stories I've heard with other moms, like, it's – my situ- my experiences have been pretty chill um and I think both times it's really helped that like my I stopped nursing because I was pregnant and my supply was dipping they weren't getting as much milk anyway I feel like they were kind of kind of sort of losing and in- not losing interest but like they weren't getting much out of the deal anymore so like it wasn't um maybe as important to them and I also both times I stopped like 
I didn't have any engorgement or anything like that. Like I barely had any milk left because it just dwindled down so gradually that it was like no big deal. Um, and like, there's definitely no milk in there now, but well, I guess maybe I might be producing colostrum at this point. Who knows? But, um, but yeah, so not a huge deal. She definitely was fussy now that you mention it, but, but never like pawing at my boobs, like wanting to like asking to nurse or anything like that. Like that was never part of it. She never asked, um, or seemed specifically upset about that. Maybe just like fussy in general, which makes sense. Um, so yeah, overall not bad. And, um, I don't think I mentioned this symptom before, but the combination of like being pretty pregnant because the last time I stopped nursing, I was like six weeks pregnant. Like I didn't have hardly any milk left and I was not very far into pregnancy, but this time around I was like, you know, over 20 weeks pregnant. So a lot more pregnant and the combination of pregnancy and breastfeeding at the same time gave me like nipples of steel mm. where <laughs> they <Nice>. would <laughs> they were just they were just like they were just there <laughs> there was no calming them down oh, that's they, right you were wearing like two bras and three shirts just to cover them oh well, not that much i'm just kidding no but like it would literally be like nipples through my bra and shirt which right. is just like, what the hell is going on? And now I don't, I wear bralettes. I don't wear like, I don't any, ever wear like underwire, like padded bras that have like significant padding in them. But I wear bralettes that do have like those, you know, like the pads that go in like bathing suits and stuff that are, they're not super thin, but they're also not super thick. Um, but like, I would literally have like my nipples would be like poking through those. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, what are we doing? Like, what's going on? So that was kind of annoying, <laughs> just like always like nipping out all the time, even though I had a freaking bra on, um, which maybe that doesn't bother some women, but that is just like not my jam. Like, I just don't want my nipples on display. I don't want people seeing them or thinking about them. I just, <laughs> I just want them to be like undercover. Um, and that was just not happening there for a while. But now that I've stopped nursing, they've totally calmed down. So I don't know what the, what was going on there, some kind of hormone, something, but um, just kind of funny uh, situation. So those are all of like the, you know, things I'm, I've been feeling in these couple of weeks. And then, um, one major happening, um, in week 23 was I had an OB appointment and I got to meet the other doctor. So I met the, this practice is two, um, women doctors, OBs. And I met the first one really early on, totally clicked with her, loved her, felt so like heard. And honestly, I felt like I was in an appointment with a midwife, not an OB. Met with the second one. She's also super nice. I can tell that she's very, um, she's definitely more of like a natural minded OB. She was more of like the typical, what I hear about of like the appointment feels rushed there's not really whole much time for questions. It's kind of like bing, bang, boom. Let's get this over with, get you out of here, hear the heartbeat and send you on your way. Um, so definitely like a difference in the approach of the two doctors, but, um, I still really liked her and, um, I'll kind of explain, um, even though it was a short appointment, how I was able to like really get a feel for that. So I don't know if I, how much I talked about this, but in, did we talk about the, um, 
twenty week scan and what they were telling me about. Oh gosh, I, I'm not. I'm not quite sure. <laughs> you don't know. You're saying you haven't been paying attention. <laughs> not today. No, no, I know not today. But I'm trying to remember. So I had my my anatomy scan. I pretty, I mean, we talked about that. I'm almost the pregnancy brain is real, you guys. But I don't know how much I went in depth because we we met with or I met with a. They had me go to the high risk place to get this scan done, not because they wanted me to see high risk doctors, but because my insurance, like I couldn't do the scan at their office with them because of my insurance, like wouldn't cover it. Um, and they were even trying to get me to go to like a, a different place to have it done. That would have been closer to where I was, but it just like didn't work out. And I was, I was like, it's fine. I'll just go there. Like it's not a big deal. It's just a scan. Let's just get it over with. So ended up going to the high risk place just assuming I'm here for my scan and then it's like, see you never. But then at the end of the appointment, the OB came in just to discuss the, um, the scan and everything was normal. And she was like, everything looks great. There's, you know, no concerns whatsoever. But then she went into this whole spiel about how, um, to set up an appointment when I'm 28 weeks, because since I'm on Lovenox and since these babies are close together, um, they really want me to be highly monitored and I'm going to come in for, literally weekly ultrasounds starting at 28 weeks, which is to me absurd. (laughs) Um, And so I was just like very confused when I left because I'm like, I was like, wait a minute, maybe I missed something and my OBs sent me here because they want me to be under, also under the care of the high risk OBs. Now, technically I, I fall with being on the blood thinners from my understanding. I've, I'm, I'm technically, Am I high risk or am I just higher risk? I don't know, but I'm not. I'm not low risk. But it's from my understanding, the risk really comes in with the fact that you might hemorrhage at birth because you're on these blood thinners, um, and you have to like kind of time the injections. But you don't necessarily like labor can happen spontaneously. So it's just kind of like this weird gray area at the end when like you, where you might literally give birth while your blood is like fully thinned. So there's a chance you might hemorrhage. So you, so for that reason, I risk out of midwifery care and, uh, or like out of hospital midwifery care. They're not equipped to handle someone who is on a blood thinner. Um, because if I were to hemorrhage, that would be like, you know, I would need potentially like a blood transfusion and, um, all this other stuff. So, so that's why I'm going with an OB to begin with. But they were also telling me that Lovenox can affect the placenta, which this was like news to me. So I was just kind of like, is that even real? Like, what are you talking about? I've never heard this. Um, like no doctor has ever mentioned this to me before. So I just left feeling very confused and was like, I need to like clear this up at my next appointment because why was I sent there? Um, and is this what they want for me? Because I do not want that level of monitoring. Um, I'm not comfortable with that because I've just heard too many stories of, you know, they're doing all these ultrasounds at the end and the baby looks too big and like, let's induce you. And all these things can come up where I would rather just like, if everything seems fine, like, let's just like, I don't, I've never gotten a scan past 20 weeks. Like I, I don't want more ultrasounds. Like I just want to let the baby cook in there and do their thing. Um, So anyway, I talked to the OB about this and she was also very confused. She was like, yeah, I, I am going to call them and try and get more information because to me, she was like, to me, it makes sense that they want to check on the baby because they're so close, close together. 
And they did mention that when I was at the OB appointment or the high risk anatomy scan appointment. Um, but baby's growth every time it's been checked has been perfectly on track. And also I was eight months postpartum. I wasn't like one month postpartum. And I'm also a very healthy person who is like super on top of supplementation. So like I'm personally not like super concerned about, you know, being really deficient going into this pregnancy and like not being able to provide the baby with what they need because I was put, you know, eight months postpartum, whatever. So that's just like not a super concern for me. I also like don't have a gut feeling that something is off there. So she was like, that makes more sense to me that they would want to check that. And so I was like, they, they brought that up at the appointment and I directly asked them like, okay, so are we doing, so you, are you recommending all these scans based on the fact that the babies are close together? Or are you recommending all these scans based on the Lovenox? And they specifically said on the Lovenox because baby's growth looks fine and it has looked fine this whole time. So I was like, so it's not that. And so I guess Lovenox can potentially, I'm still honestly unclear on this, you guys. I'm still trying to figure out what the heck they're talking about. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not discounting it. I'm not saying there's nothing to it, but so they were saying because there's risk of clotting in the placenta, um, it can obviously, if that were to happen, it can affect how the placenta works. And if your placenta is not working optimally, that means, you know, baby's not getting the nutrients and the oxygen optimally. Um, and um, so they want to check fetal movements and also my fluid levels, which is an indicator of how healthy or how well your, your placenta is doing. Um, so I'm not like against it. Like, you know, I obviously want my, want to make sure that nothing is wrong with my placenta. I've never had a pregnancy being on this medication. Um, but I'm also just confused because as far as I know, as long as I'm taking the Lobinox as directed, like my blood like can't clot as far as my doctor has told me. So I don't know why we're concerned about clotting in the placenta if I'm on the blood thinner. I don't know. It's a whole thing. So, um, it's still kind of this situation is still kind of getting hammered out. Um, cause she was like, I'm going to call them and get more information. Like it's not even really worth discussing that much. Cause I don't even know what's going on. So the next OB appointment I go to, they should have an update for me. And, she, but she was automatically like, there's no way you're going for weekly ultrasounds. And I was like, cool. I'm glad you're on that page. Cause I would have like literally just straight up declined that. I would have been like, that's great. You're recommending it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> um, maybe once a month, like, it, but no, so, um, because remember your doctors work for you and of course I want safety is important, but to me that just seems like way too much monitoring. And I think that a lot of times too much monitoring, like too much of anything is always, not always a good thing. So, um, I don't want that much monitoring. I also don't want to be traveling 45 minutes to go to a scan every week that I personally don't feel is necessary. Um, that's just a lot. So we'll kind of update you guys on, on what transpires at the next OB appointment. And based on what comes from that, hopefully we'll have a plan in place of what we're going to be doing based on their recommendations. Um, and she also said, she was like, you could be in a room with like 12 different high risk OBs and they're all going to give you a different opinion. So she was like, I just want to get more information. Um, because for all we know, there could be a high risk OB who's like, you don't need that at all. So, um, she basically just wanted to do do, do a little bit more research, more due diligence on her end. Um, I also think they probably don't see a lot of patients that are on Lovenox. I don't think it's super common. So um, I don't know if she's ever like dealt with this before. Maybe she has, I don't know. But 
anyway, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, hopefully good news. And the only other thing we did, um, during this time period is we did take a quick little trip to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Want to tell them about it? Um, we were just, uh, we were down there for a couple of days, hanging out with your dad. We didn't really do much, but we got out of the house. We went on a little trip and, uh, yeah, it was nice to get away for a couple of days, I guess. Do something new. Uh, not not warm down there. It's still cold. No. But, you know, it's good to be in a different place for a little bit. See some family. Hang out. Yep. Um, yeah, baby traveled well in your belly on the way. Came back healthy, too. So. <laughs> Hayden um, is... So, Hayden is three, but she's still in her crib, and she loves her crib, you guys. Like, she... Like, we openly talk about, like, oh, if you, you know, you want to move to a big girl bed. She's just like, no, I just, I like my crib. We're like, okay. (laughs) So, she loves her crib. She sleeps well in there, so we're not messing with it. But she slept in a big girl bed when we were down there. AKA, I had to be with her the whole time. (laughs) So, I went to sleep at seven both nights. Because I didn't go down the first night. But he sent me a picture. She's like a selfie. And she's literally, like, straddled across your body. You're like, this is what I'm doing right now. Yeah. (laughs) Just like kind of cute, but also like uh, I, I loved it. It yeah. was great. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't think we're gonna be moving to a big girl bed anytime soon because we're not gonna be doing that every night. Um, but yeah, so we had a little trip to the beach, and that was that was pretty much it. So nice couple of weeks there, Beck. It was a nice couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Matt's patting my back like good no. job, good job, sport. <laughs> you did well those two weeks. It's nice to look back on it. Uh, Proud of you. Wow, thank you. Thanks so much. <laughs> <You're> Sport. <welcome>. Top <laughs> champ. Uh, so we're cruising along, getting closer and closer to the third trimester, which is my favorite trimester. I'm excited. Right? I wish I wish I could just be in the third trimester now. <laughs> right? It's just there's what's, something about it. What's your favorite trimester? Tell us. Uh, definitely not the first. <laughs> nobody's first favorite is the first probably the second oh really yeah why is that Uh, let's hear it come on you're not sick anymore usually uh and you're also not complaining complaining like being (laughs) massive and complaining (laughs) so it's best yeah you would complain too i'm not saying i wouldn't (laughs) i'm not not hating i'd be complaining too i don't complain that much do i no I don't. Even, when you're when you're massive with a full grown baby in your belly, I'm sure it's pretty uncomfortable. That's yeah. that's all. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay. So Matt's favorite is the second. Mine's the third. Cause I just I like the anticipation. I like prepping for birth. I like getting closer. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. My favorite <laughs> is when you find out you're pregnant, and all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I'm eight weeks pregnant. I just found out. <laughs> Even no. though it's like been a week. No. You find out when you're like four weeks. But really you're like two weeks pregnant. So yeah. they just they they lump in two extra weeks that you're not pregnant. It's pretty nice. See, it's not that bad. Oh. I think it's forty weeks, it's not forty weeks. Oh, okay. You get to start at like seven weeks. No, you don't. <laughs> you start at like two. Two is when it's a nice little head start. Conception happens. Gotcha. Well, give or take, you know. Depends on when you ovulate. It's not always fourteen days, but yeah so alright 
All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Um, I'll be back next week with a birth story for you guys. It's super exciting. Obviously not mine. I <laughs> just want to clear that up. Um, having a guest on to share her birth story. Actually, birth stories, plural. Um, so make sure to tune in for that. But thank you guys so much for listening to this week. Week 22, 23. We are cruising along. Coming closer to meeting this little third little Bristow. So we're excited. Yeah, can't wait. Pumped. <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.